Remember the passion you felt doing that particular thing you always loved to do when you were a kid? Whether it was to laugh or to love or to explore, to play or create. Those passions weren't just you being a kid. They were gifts of clarity. They're the desires of your heart authentically expressed. Hi, I'm Courtney Cole, and this is the Love Freak Podcast, where we remember who we really are and what we've come to this planet to create. It's here we make a choice, love or fear. It's here we choose to vibrationally realign ourselves with the truth of our essence, love. 528 hertz, the love frequency, which therefore allows us to realign with conscious healing, authenticity, and creativity. Don't freak out. This is your true nature. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Love Freak Podcast. I am going to get right into it this week and introduce you to our amazing guest. She is someone you might not know, but you definitely know if you know what I mean. She has had hits with artists like Janet Kramer, Trace Adkins, Rascal Flatts, Martina McBride, Kelly Clarkson, Kelsey Ballerini, Jake Owen, and many, many more, if you can believe that. <laughs> and if you follow my music, she helped me write my first single, Drunk, uh, which I released several years ago. So beyond being incredibly talented, um, Kat is a person that I hold personally responsible for sending me on part of this like deep, deep journey within myself that I always talk about. Um, she really got me asking the hard questions and figuring out really who I am back in like 2013, 2014, um, when I was just a young little artist. And we were on this little writing retreat where we actually wrote the song Drunk. And we were in the Smoky Mountains in a cabin. And after several just really intense life chats, she really pointed me in this direction of these two books that really completely changed my life. And she continues to just be such a huge influence on my life and just an all-around amazing mentor and friend. So Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. Thank you. You seriously are like such one of like the most fun people I've ever met in my life. Just your energy, everything about you. You're just so loving and so beautiful and so gracious. So this is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. So like I said, we met, um, gosh, how many years ago? A billion? I, I don't know. I hope I'm not a million and one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're definitely not. Um, but we met uh, at a songwriting retreat, I think. Back oh, in we, probably 2013, 2014. We were on a yacht. We were on a yacht. That sounds really, really fancy. And it was. And just for you guys, don't think that like songwriting life is always fancy. It is It is definitely it is not. not. I think I had uh, a slice of bologna for breakfast at my house. And then when we left, we had five course meals. But I felt <laughs> love with you that I'm like, oh my God, I don't know who she is. And that's why I never, I'm like, I could see somebody or celebrity or somebody in the corner, but I'm like, I don't know who that girl is, but she's awesome. Her energy is a beam of light around her. I have to meet her. We did get to write because they were setting people up that day. So I was like, please, please. I know it was so much fun. It was so neat. And ever since that trip, we just connected and you've really been like a mentor to me, someone that I just hold so dear to me and you were so gracious as I was starting out in my artistry to go on a songwriting retreat with me with, uh, it was me, you, and, uh, it was Gerald O'Brien and a wonderful artist, Shirazi. We were all there. And oh my gosh, that's right. Shirazi was there. Yeah, he was. Jeez. It was so wild. And we ended up, uh, writing my first single drunk. Oh. on that retreat that doesn't say much about us does it i'm the kind of person that has like a two drops of mike's hard lemonade and then i'm completely bombed and so this is kind of funny that we put that i remember we were like banging on stuff and the drums were all just like banging on our our legs and the table and oh my I gosh love organic so stuff like that i can make a whole record of just using tin cups and garbage cans we had a blast. It was like, I'm, we weren't trying too hard. We just had a blast. That was so fun. And it was that retreat for me that I feel like 
you know, I kind of came into that retreat going through a lot of, of stuff emotionally and spiritually, you know, I was young and I was really trying to discover myself, discover my artistry, discover who I was as a person. And, you know, after moving to Nashville and kind of coming out of everywhere that I grew up, you had so much insight on that retreat, just life insight. We had so many chats, so many life chats, and you were just so spiritually encouraging to me and got me outside of where I had been sitting and living for so long and within that kind of box that, you know, there's nothing wrong with religion or anything like that, but sometimes it does create a box where you feel like you're not allowed to leave it. And you also coming from a place of faith and, you know, a religious background too, you were like, but think of it a different way. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with thinking about it a different way. Mm -hmm. And that was so inspiring to me. And you pointed me in the direction of two books, uh, which I am going to go into, but I kind of want to know a little bit about your background and kind of how you came up and, and kind of where you kind of are now mentally and spiritually. That was a perfect alignment between you and I, because it was where I was going, where you were going, but I was, I literally, I thought when I was younger that I was going to be a female preacher. No way. Yeah. I was raised. um, And and it's funny because of all of the, the, the different types of religions and the different sectors of all of it. I was Lutheran, which is the biggest snooze fest of anybody. (laughs) I mean, my father would say, who's got the lucky charms and we would pass down cereal to each other because I didn't know what it was like to actually want to listen because we were all falling asleep in the pew. So there was nothing to listen to, but I was raised. My mom, um, you know, had a very innate relationship with Jesus and God. She wasn't raised that way. It was just a very beautiful thing that happened with her. And, um, but I didn't know when I moved to Nashville, when you go to a church in Nashville, which I think somebody said there's over 800 churches, there's probably more now, um, or maybe 800 different types of different religions. I'm not even sure. But uh, I went to this particular church where it was like, they were so joyful in the pew. I mean, I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, these people want to be here. They, so they know what I feel when I go out into the forest, into the, into the backwoods. I was, I'm from population 3000. So it was really just a country road and some backwoods. But what I felt in the backwoods was what I felt in the pew that day with those people looking around going, oh my gosh, there's so much joy here that I had never experienced that before. So for me, it wasn't like some of my friends, some of our, our uh, artist friends, you know, King, you know, you've got Kings of Leon. I worked with Sons of Sylvia. I love these guys, but it was major Pentecostal background where there's just, I mean, life going on. There was no life going on. We were, uh, we were not raised that way, but there's so much life and joy going on and to celebrate what I always knew and what's in the Bible, and, and I love the Bible, um, one of the greatest pieces to me is, is that the kingdom of God is within. Yes. Absolutely. And when you stop and you think about that for a minute, it's like, wait a minute. Jesus was saying the kingdom of God is within. Wow, that must have really shook people up, right? Yeah way back then because the whole first testament here's another thing when i was a kid i didn't know that the old testament was a torah was the jewish torah i didn't know that nobody taught me anything i mean here's what happens in the in the uh, lutheran religion you're lucky if you get one piece of scripture annually (laughs) i mean it was no (laughs) no focus so i wasn't somebody that was absorbed i couldn't quote scripture and that sort of thing it was just every now and then I would feel of my body would vibrate. Yeah. That's all that I know when I was little. And I just thought, wow. And what I would come to find out later is 
That's what divine inspiration feels like in the physical body. Wow. And for some people, there's a little bit of a tingling or it can be a little different. Some people in the stomach, some people in the head. For me, it was just this literally from toe to head, a surge, a vibrational surge when I would be inspired by something I heard, or it could have even been, you know, somebody, there was a a simple little beautiful man that used to always um, pass out a full thing of lifesavers, you know, and for us, it was like, oh my God, I would have it done by the time we got to the car. But I just would watch this man and come to find out he didn't have any children and he didn't have any family. And so he was probably gathering so that he could have a connection with people, you know, even like an 80 year old, he'd hand a whole thing of lifesavers. So I wasn't getting any inspiration from the pastor. I was getting it from the congregation. Wow. And then when you come to Nashville, whoa, do you get it? You get it from, you get smacked in the head for inspiration, girl. I mean, <laughs> you're in the bubble is, belt. Girl, it's from the pastor, the associate pastor, the people in the pew, the photographer. It's coming from everywhere. And so I stayed within that. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like when I would get those, those vibrational body physical moments. I mean, some people say goosebumps, but it's bigger than a goose goosebumps. Yeah. Um, it's, it's to me what inspiration feels like in the body. And, oh man, I would just go by myself. I loved going to this church. I loved it. I had never seen, I've never seen people raise their hands. So when you get a conservative Lutheran in the pew, I mean, I'd, I'd want to go like, you know, and then you're like, this feels so uncomfortable. And by, I feel by, exposed. By, yeah, by a year, I'm like, what's <laughs> And so to be able to express that with your, with like your, you know, inspiration is, you know, someone taught me a long time ago that lead with inspiration with everything. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I lead with inspiration to pay my bills. I don't pay my bills unless I'm inspired. And this is true. When I get inspired to pay my bills, then I just can sit there and enjoy and write it out. If I'm not inspired to pay my bills, and again, you can't sit there for a year and not pay your bills. Sure, yeah, as <laughs> you know, I'd say. Yeah, inspiration doesn't lead to bankruptcy, but you, when you stop and you know you wait for that time during the week, and then you sit down and you have a different perspective to write out the joy and gratitude that you feel for your. It doesn't feel like a chore. Like when you're doing right. it at a place where it feels like a chore, I feel like it That's puts right. like a different energy around it rather than doing it with like, I'm grateful to be able to do this, to have this, to give this. That's right. That's right. And so I thought growing up that inspiration was in the, in faith that it was very far and few between. Like when I felt it, it was kind of like dog do a bone. Like, whoa, this is, I'm glad I got that every four, five, six months. I didn't know that I was capable of tapping into it and feeling it truly whenever I wanted to feel it, if you can line up with feeling it. So my, it's always been a God-based Jesus faith with me. And I know that I always say, thank God for the, for the New Testament, because the God of the Old Testament is not something that people would be attracted to, you know, murder with children and women. And, and then you get to this, this being of Jesus and it's enlightenment and kindness and inclusiveness and, and I remember, you know, that simple scripture that we've all heard a million times, but, you know, cast the first stone. Basically, Jesus was standing up for a town prostitute. Sure. That was so beautiful and so incredible to me um, that I was very affected by that. All the way to watching kids being bullied, which that wasn't a name when I was growing up, but witnessing it to um, 
you know, making sure that I was raised with, with an inclusive uh, mentality, even though I had a father that could be uh, a racist sometimes. Right. And I, and I had to learn, um, you know, I would battle him. So my faith was always just mostly God-based and Jesus-based until I met my friend Kai Fleming, who ended up being, you know, a publishing partner later in life, dear friend, mentor. And um, I remember going to an Abraham seminar and that just opened up like, whoa, what is this? And realizing also that we all can pull from all of the globe, the, the galaxy's consciousness. We all can pull from that, but we don't think that we can. That's what, sure. and a lot, you've got unworthiness and all these things that seep in. It's like, sometimes you're not knowledgeable, but when unworthiness seeps in, you don't even want to attempt because you're thinking, why would such greatness want to seep into me? But it, it seeps into everybody. It's well, and sometimes when you come from like a religion too, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to put down any religion, but sometimes within those religious boxes that we can create, there is a sense of unworthiness or, you know, um, kind of like diminishing that happens that puts there. So when you go and you try and and then you kind of see it in this way of like this presence, this, uh, God, the spirit is within me and Mm -hmm. is my worthiness and Mm -hmm. is, my love and is my validation, all these things where it's kind of goes hand in hand. It is a definite paradigm shift yes, for sure. And it almost feels scary. It almost feels like blasphemy because it's like, that's right. Because I've, I've been taught to keep myself smaller in a lot of ways. It's it's interesting. You say that. I remember the first time I sat, I mean, anybody could, you know, when they go to a seminar and they're opening up to different types of spirituality. And I can remember an artist that had said um, of success, real successful artists in the Christian world that said, um, I will no longer listen to Oprah because she doesn't talk about Jesus anymore. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, I'm so, and I thought, if I first thought was, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just thought, I'm sorry that, I'm so sorry that that's all that you're going to be limited to. You're going to be missing out on some greatness that this planet has to offer. But I do understand, I very much understand the fear that's attached to it. There is a fear mentality in that because it's like, well, I'm scared that this is going to shake what I've been told is truth. And there's nothing wrong with if somebody wants to take a truth and make it that their truth, you know, that's for everyone to decide, right? How far that they want to go, right? But um sometimes when we get in religion, we get into those boxes, it does create a fear-based mentality. You know, I know a lot of people in, you know, Christianity, I grew up as a Christian and still consider myself in, in that. But a lot of people, you know, would just go to church, not really feeling kind of that vibrational alignment, like you said, but they're going to church. They're showing up in the pew because they don't want to go to hell. And that's a, that's a fear-based belief, right? It's like, you're not doing it because this is actually how I'm, I get into alignment. And this is me tapping into that love being who I am, letting that love overflow. This is me scared to death that I'm going to end up burning in a fiery pit. That's that's a fear, right. And that's a fear based belief. So when you can kind of realign and look at it in a different way, um, you know, I, the big thing that always comes back in my mind is the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it just really goes to show me how everything is one. Everything is one. You have God, the Father. You have the Son who is, we are all sons and daughters of God, which, mm-hmm. so that includes us. That's not just Jesus. That inc- We're in that little category. And then right. you have the Holy Spirit, which is the energy of God, which is mm-hmm. everything. And that to me really shows us that everything is one. So if God is love and love is God, and you're talking about love, then you're talking about Jesus. You're talking about the Christ consciousness because there is nothing separate from it. 
The blocking, you're exactly right. And I think what blocks people the most, and it's very simple, is the name, the yeah. labeling. And so the name God for so many years, and especially Jesus, which is so sacred to all of us for many, many reasons. And a lot of it just has to do with a, a foundation of being a child and, and having there's got to be good to this Bible. Like I said, it can't just be the Old Testament because if I can't just believe in, in killing women and children and drowning and flooding and I can't, that, that's, there's no redemption. There's no, I don't even know who could follow just that. But I remember um, one time sitting in this seminar and, and, and sitting in the front row and thinking, um, wow, am I, just what you said, am I being blasphemous? And I was sort of analyzing my own self. Am I being blasphemous for actually sitting here, for watching somebody who was, what I say, downloading, which is what we all do, downloading some information and it coming through. I mean, Jesus downloaded information from the Father. And so I'm watching this human download some information. And so I just, I try, I remained open. But then I felt this uh, Christian punishment. And then I remained open and I felt the punishment. And I just thought, I'm remaining open. I, I want to hear. So as I listened on, I thought, this is so interesting. There's everything that this person is saying is resonating with me. Truly resonating with me. Uh, you know, if you say you can create your own reality, is that so different from the kingdom of God is within? It's the same thing. It is the same thing. And when you really, if the kingdom of God is within me, the kingdom of God, I can create, I can tap into, I mean, what creates worlds. I can God is the it. ultimate creator. And if he's within you, then you are a creator and you are creating your reality with every thought you think. And that God within you, when you are in alignment with that validation, with that compassion, with that love, with all of that, you are able to choose to walk into a different kind of expansion. Like you, your, your reality looks totally different than when you're doing it from a fear-based mentality and yeah. you're not connected in that spirit. It's to just me, walking out hell. though. Yeah. Blasphemy is a very interesting thing because you don't, again, what you said is so true. If, you know, I mean, people could be listening right now and somebody could say, well, that conversation is blasphemous. It's yes. just, is to sit here and say, you know, I actually am starting to believe that hell is just sometimes our separation from God is, is just hell is being separated from that true divine connection that honestly, it's what we live for. We might think, I know it's easy to get in a tunnel and we might think we live to find our soul career or you know um to have a family uh, all the things that are uh, such an incredible part of being a human but it's really to connect 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 because being human you're going to disconnect and pinch off but it's just to keep connecting and then yeah. basically just I, I just want a life of connection and then you know I hope I die in the ambulance like my grandmother did <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, she just, I love to drive and I love to go for a ride. And she went for her last ride and she probably thought subconsciously, I am not making it to that hospital. And right. so, you know, it's just to connect and to keep connecting. And again, inspiration. I think that's probably why um, artists, there's a, I don't know if blessing is the right word, but there's a blessing even if artists are frustrated or even if they can't find their way to a publishing deal, a record deal, a, a, a gallery uh, into the greatest museum, I still feel that just to have a connection of where 
you're driving and you pull over to the side of the road because an entire lyrical chorus downloads just the chorus, but it's an entire chorus. You might have to push a, 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 a boulder up a hill for verse one and verse two and bridge. Yeah. But that chorus just to where you are panicking to reach for something and if you have a memory Absolutely. like mine, you're like, you don't care if you end up in a cow field as fast as you can, because you just have to type it or get it on your phone or something. <laughs> Those are moments that people that haven't tapped in, that they die for. Those are die for moments, whether or not a song, a painting, um, a book, uh, whether or not it makes it to be to get published at all. Those are die for moments. Absolutely. Just being in that alignment, it opens you up to a whole new level of. Yeah. Well, who's, who's sending you that? If you can sit there and write and it's in perfect rhyme scheme and it dumps out and then there's a melody attached. Come on. You have to stop for a minute. At least most of us, we have to stop and go, I know I'm not that good. And you have to say, right. <laughs> how many artists say this? Like, I don't know where this came from. It definitely didn't come from me. Yes. I, literally- I do understand. And, and this is a lot. I remember being in a Bible class, raising my hand one time, which discussing this, I could talk about this subject uh, for quite a while, but I remember discussing, I raised my hand and it was just, this is what I loved about this pastor. There is nothing, nothing off limits. And now when you go to a lot of preachers, pastors, there's a lot off limits. And I think yeah. that's where it starts. So here we, I meet this pastor, I'm in a small group and nothing is off limits. And I raised my hand and I said, is it possible that a lot of the Bible is divine and the rest of it was, you know, and we all know, of course it's possible. And the rest of it was just, you know, written by man. And the reason why an, an artist mentality would know more is because if a chorus was downloaded and you kind of have to push and craft the first chorus or first verse, second verse and bridge, then you know that an entire book that was written, there's some things in there that were man made. Yeah. Or work. forest or whatever. Yeah. Now that is a very taboo subject to talk about. Right. But I do like to, to talk about that subject because it goes back to inspiration. What's divine inspiration? What was breathed through mm-hmm. a man or a woman? What, what specific subject was breathed through them? And then the rest was crafted. Right. Exactly. That's a, that's a great point. And it's some of the best stuff. The book that... Uh, that you and I, one of the books that we were talking about, which that book I told you was given to me by Leanne Phelan, my sister in spirit. And, and this is the untethered soul. Yes. Yes. This yeah, book, definitely- when she, she, uh, when she gave that to me and she saw that, or it was a gift to her and she was at the Chopra center. And, um, when you read that first part, and of course we always, you know, like, oh, if I could just get that voice out of my head. But when somebody stops for a minute and he evidently had downloaded this, the book is entirely about that voice. Yep. And what makes to me a great song, a great book, a great movie is when somebody doesn't stray from the subject matter too much. And I was, I think I strayed for the love of God. I could get in a balloon, a waffle and a coffee cup in one dang song. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, cat, could you just stick to the coffee cup? Or could we just talk about love? Do you really got to throw in the lollipop? It's like, Lord. And so, and that was, I remember thinking, reading that, like he never strayed from talking about the voice in the head, the voice in the head. And that's what makes greatness because, you know, you can really take somebody down a chaotic road, but when you stop for a minute and you say to yourself, I'm going to say a word to you. I don't want you to say it out loud. And I've done this to my five-year-old. I don't want you to say the word out loud, but I'm just going to say the word red to you. And I want you to say it in your head, but don't speak the word verbally. And 
Say the word, everybody. So what is that? What is that? Where does it come from? What is its purpose? Who is that? And I mean, it's, that's heavy. And it's true that that book really, you, you gave that book to me when we were on that retreat. That was one of the books that I wanted to talk about. It's called the untethered soul by Michael Singer. You guys, if you have not read it, you have to do it. And it, it really is like fundamental spirituality, really in a sense of just getting you to recognize being mindful of your thoughts and who is that voice? Like Kat said, if you can say red in your mind, who is saying red? Is that you? Is that like, who, who is that talking? You hear it yeah. in your head. Or if you can begin a phrase in your head and you, maybe you're not even thinking it, this is what's more weird. A lot of times, of course, you're looking at something and then you apply a thought. But what, what about the scary part when your head says, I hate dot, dot, dot what like okay then then an action follows right. it's it's really amazing it's interesting and i think that book for me like it really helped me to realize that i am not my thoughts and kind of like you were talking about earlier where you said you really feel like hell is the separation from god i really feel like that's kind of mm-hmm. what my thoughts are like when you realize that you're not your thoughts, you're not your circumstances, you realize how in control of your experience that you really are and how much suffering that you create within yourselves that creates that duality between you and spirit. Yeah. And it keeps you from who you really are because you really are that spirit. You really are in alignment with it. So when you have all these thoughts and these conditionings and these programs mm-hmm. that separate you from that. Mm-hmm then you're not in alignment with spirit. You are living in that state of hell, that unnecessary suffering. So and it is, a, it is hell. It is hell. And it's yeah. like, it comes with burning and it comes with a gut-wrenching fire in your belly. Like, it's very interesting to me. I mean, I know what, you know, when we talk about heaven and those sort of things and it's like, you know, why is a song like I can only imagine so enormous? It's because of longing, that word too. It's like, I long to, is it greet my true self? Is it greet Jesus? Is it, you know, and again, I've gone through these, you and I are going to keep talking about this. I've gone through these thoughts of, is it blasphemous that I'm not just straight to, I long to, I can only imagine what it's like to see your face, Jesus. I mean, instead of going right there. And you're going to go through sort of like standing at the whipping post going, it's not great yourself. It's not great yourself. It's Jesus. I mean, (laughs) you know, and so we're all going to go through these things. I mean, I remember a joke that our, our pastor said, and he was, you know, somebody got to the gates of heaven and they were walking through each door and he goes, you know, these are the, the, the uh, Lutherans up here. They were all in different rooms, and you go to the next one, and like these are the Catholics over here, and then you keep going, and and the guy goes, "What's in that room?" And he goes, "Well, don't tell, don't tell them, but those are the people; those are Church of Christ. They think they're the only ones up here." <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> so. I mean, doesn't that kind of sum up our whole life, which is you're not included. You're not included. You're included. You know, am I excluded from my thoughts and my verbalization that I'm having with you right now? Am I excluded? I mean, this is what's so it it, it is. It it, it could make you want to go into not the priesthood because that's definitely wouldn't be my vibe, but it's, uh, you know, I read another book called um, Dance of a Fallen Monk. And it was given to me by a dear friend of mine. She's not with us anymore. And she, so um, I can't think of George's last name right now, but it's Dance of a Fallen Monk. George is his first name. He was a monk. He used to hold classes in Nashville. And he was a monk for, I believe it was 18 years in San Francisco, way up, way up in the hills. And he said, you know, they would all pass each other, no speaking and nod their heads and, 
and eat the same food and sing the same music and the same chants and striving um, for this for always for the same thing. And he said it hit him, not just like thought, you know, something that he would think about on a daily basis. It hit him like a lightning bolt when he was overlooking all a lot of San Francisco. And there was chaos and they were running around and it looked very crazy down there. And he thought, oh my God, those people have it right. Mm. Is to find peace amongst the chaos. And he goes, I've had it wrong all these years. Is because how can you, I mean, if, I mean, I'm not saying don't do it because wow, what a beautiful life to pray, pray, eat, sleep pray, eat, sleep, pray, eat, sleep. I mean, that's a beautiful life. Yeah. But to look down and to see all that, how you have to keep connecting, keep connecting, keep connecting when you're walking in chaos, keep connecting. You have to make an effort to connect. And he was just to find the kingdom of God within. You have to keep you know, looking, looking, searching, searching, and you do get down to, I know uh, in Abraham, what you and I talk about this woman, Esther Hicks, and she says, you can't get it done. It's never over. You can't get down to the bottom of it, Um, which is very, very interesting. But I do feel like we come here to each thought leads to an idea, which leads to greaterness and the planet, which leads to our expansion. And when you take a look at, now when I was a kid, there, were, there, was, there wasn't a computer, uh, definitely no iPhone. And I remember the day, it was Barry Dean who slid, he goes, have you seen this yet? And slid this weird looking thing across the table to me. I know I'm gonna sound like a grandma right now, that's okay. <laughs> You do not sound like a grandma. He slid this thing across the table to me and I picked it up and I said, what is it? And he said, it's an iPhone. And he said, wow. And I I said, (laughs) I said, what, how do you turn it on? And he said, you slide your finger across the screen. And I was like, shut up. And he said, (laughs) yeah, do it. I mean, I don't mind that I sound like a grandma right now. And when you think about Steve Jobs and the team that surrounded him, and if you want a, a, a real tangible example of expansion is he came here, he searched for, you know, he would uh, lay in a field and smoke whatever, or take whatever to expand his mind, because a lot of times that's what people have to do to get away from their own thoughts. And then to realize I mean, I wish everybody could feel this because right now, unfortunately, my son came out cable ready as uh, Esther Hicks always says. My son just came in. I mean, when you see a one-year-old and they're like, and they just go, and they slide it. And I'm just like, whoa, did you see that? And I'm like intrigued at however old, I can't even remember how old I was when it came out, that that's a clear definition of what expansion looks like. When somebody comes in with a thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to create this. And people say, that is ridiculous. Or Mm -hmm. that there is, are you from another planet? And my answer to that would be is, I hope so. Because (laughs) (laughs) I got to use that quote, (laughs) right? I hope so. I hope I'm from the planet where Steve Jobs came from. And because to gather the team that's responsible for that, that is everybody sitting on the leading edge that's everybody standing on the leading edge when you get a team like that I mean I love that we're having these conversations because I haven't pushed myself to the full potential and and I know that you haven't and we just begun and it's like one lifetime isn't really enough and so but we do expand it's like my son has come in so I'm the generation and I love that we have a quite a huge age difference I was the child at whatever age asking Barry Dean, how do you turn it on? And my son years and years comes through and is just like, and slides it up. (laughs) 
Now, if that isn't expansion, me, me being able to witness, I was witnessing expansion. Wow. When, when somebody like, I was, when I was with Barry that day and I was holding the, the, I had access to the world in my hand. Now, to me, that was like, right to my son, it's expected. Why is it expected? You know why it's expected? Because we've expanded into that, uh, greater expansion of technology, greater expansion of spirituality, greater extension of, uh, you know, even how a, how a human can last as long as they can last. I mean, now it's like, it's amazing that you can say happy birthday to a 106 year old. I, there, there was, I mean, it's true. Do you know what I, I think mean? How far we've come. Think how far we've come. Galileo spent how many years in prison because he was telling everybody that the world revolved around the sun. Right, 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 right. And that not everything revolved around the world, that right. the world revolved around the sun. And that was such blasphemy. Right. And how Scientific much we've expanded blasphemy. now. Yeah. And now, well, even because it was a religious thing too, oh, that's, you know, you're that, right. that, it was that, spiritual. and so, yeah, it was very spiritual. So that was like, oh my God, can't believe this. He spent so much time in jail. And now that's a, a, a fact that we just know to be true that's and right. that we're just like, whoa, but that wasn't. And how we had to expand into that. There's so much that we don't know. And, That's right. and I just, I got to say, like, for you, you really kind of got me outside of my box a little bit and into kind of walking. You're always encouraging me to walk into expansion. And I'm going to mention the second book that we talked about really quickly um, and just kind of how it rattled me. But it's it's called The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East, which I think was like someone in your family had that book and then it was like hidden for a while and you found it and you were like, you no, it was, read it was Kai Fleming. Who's also in the Kai music Fleming. business. Oh, got it. Yeah. And okay. she, it was still in the cellophane and she goes, Oh, I have an extra one of these. Do you want it? And I'm just like, okay. And, and then I read the title and I was like, okay, now you're going off the deep end for me. Cause this is like, I'm, I'm uh-huh. a Lutheran from population 3000. <laughs> Um, well, it definitely is, it, it definitely is kind of like if you're um, coming from, you know, like a Christian background or whatever, it's definitely going to expand your mind in a way that I feel is really good. Like it really challenged me to dive so much deeper in my faith and ask some hard questions because like I always knew that, you know, the spirit of God like lives within you, that Christ consciousness, you know, but I never really knew what that meant to kind of like dive deeper. Like the power is not only like who we are at the core, but it's like the fundamental element of like nature is that spirit of God and our universe. And I started to see myself when I acknowledged that power and who it was within me and kind of how we go hand in hand. Like I started to see myself no different than a flower or a star or the ocean. It's like this constant spirit that that just flows through everything. And that duality that I had been living in was like really just such an illusion. You know, it's like that spirit, this power, this love, like when it, when in alignment with it, it provides us with really everything that we need. Um, not just material, not just materialistically, like, but also with that validation, with our worth, with our unconditional love, like that spirit is love Mm -hmm. and we are of it. And it is us. That's what that book really got me to think. And that helped me walk into my expansion and make all of these decisions for myself. And obviously that probably rattled your world too. And has kind of helped you in your journey and to where you are now. Um, and the law of attraction has kind of become like a big popular thing in the world. And I, I'm a fan of it in a sense of in the, on the spirituality mindset of it all, where it's like, when you're in alignment, when you are in that state of abundance, everything is when, when you can't, when you're not seeing everything from lack, everything is kind of at your, your feet. Right. But there is a thing with the law of attraction kind of where everything's like, give me, give me, give me. And it can be very materialistic, but, and I feel like we kind of miss that spiritual aspect of it, but it really just helps me connect with who I am and limit all of the other thoughts and all of the other just junk that I let sit on top of that spirit. 
in me. Right. right. It is. I, I, I remember this too. I mean, gosh, this is the part I love about age is that you do. I can understand why somebody would want to live to be 200 is because to have monumental witnessing there, you know, um, I remember when the secret came out, right? Yeah. And everybody was curious about it. And I remember a friend of mine coming in with his deep Southern accent. And he goes, well, let me get this straight. I'm going to close my eyes and wish for a motorcycle. And it's going to be right outside the door right now. And I said, well, it's possible. But with you, it probably won't. Because right now you're being so sarcastic. And the irony is, is that I want to say it was around 17 or 18 years. And I have to call him and tell him about this. He called me. Well, somebody just gave me a deal that I couldn't refuse. I said, what is it? And he said, a motorcycle. Now, that was 18 years later. And, you know, you don't have an understanding of attraction. And you're right. It is interesting because we've known about that word or phrase for a long time. But it, to me, it goes back as simple as th that you just can't get that certain someone off your mind, a friend, a, a sister, a brother, a family member. And you are, that's all you can focus about for those two hours or whatever. And then the phone rings and it's them. And it's so odd that they would call. That's all and everything that it is. That's all and everything that it is. You know, and if, and if, you know, again, somebody listens in and they're like, well, if you're so good at it, why didn't you attract this and this and this and this? And what I'm also learning is it's about what, and I, I don't, it's about what are you specifically focused on when you come in? And there's another great book. And uh, do you remember those books? Not this book I'm talking about. Remember those books, Conversations with God? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Um, and Neil, who wrote these books, it was very considered blasphemous. It was years ago because this man was having a true conversation with God and asking questions that most people, you know, nowadays you'll find a church that will have, you know, there's no, you know, raise your hand and ask any question. But this was during a time when it was like Neil Walsh, Donald Walsh, that's his name. And you just don't ask those kind of questions. Well, he also wrote a children's book. And I just think this is so beautiful. And it makes you stop and go, is this, is this how it really works? And I can see where it's, it's so exciting to be alive. And it's, it's, you know, it's not sad to me to pass because there's going to be so many things explained. And it's probably just going to be close our eyes and open up into another realm, you know. But this children's book was about um, this boy said, I just really want to go to earth and I want to learn what forgiveness is about. Mm. It was a soul. These were just souls speaking to God. And God said, you have everything here. Why would you want to go there? You have everything that you need here. And he said, because I just want to know what it feels like. And this other little soul steps forward. And, you know, in a children's book, it was a, a painting of a little girl, you know, this is what throws, this is what throws people off. This is, I mean, you and I could talk forever about the spirituality, but what throws people off is that it was an actual rendering of a little girl with angel wings on that. It was called a soul. And I remember being little too. And in church, this beautiful picture of, I mean, I can see why little kids fall in love and have an attraction and fall in love with the spirit of what Jesus looks like is because if they had the painting that I had, Jesus was good looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and, and he was snow white, which we know is yeah. not right. Right. So right. we know that we know that Jesus ain't no Caucasian. Right, right. You know, he ain't from Miami. Right. And so, <laughs> I, but I do have that picture. And so then I, so my subconscious, I start dreaming up pictures of what Jesus looks like, my dreams, my thought process. I mean, no wonder it's difficult to, to form a picture of the spirit of, um, 
the kingdom of God is within. No wonder. It's just like that phrase can just send every, everybody off into a tizzy because right. it's like, well, where is it? What does it look like? You know, just, can I get it out of my body? I mean, it's right. no wonder. It just, right. no wonder we all get into a deep chaos. But so they were drawn as little souls, little children. And so, and God said, well, if basically I'm paraphrasing, if you really want to go, um, you'll, you'll have to have someone to forgive because if you want to know what forgiveness feels like, you're going to need someone to forgive. And he, he said, huh. And this little girl steps forward, this little soul. And she said, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. And she said, now you're going to be, I'm going to be very mean to you. And right now there's just pure love here. I'm going to be very mean, very mean. And I'm going to do a lot of cruel things and you're going to forgive me. And so it goes on to talk about that. And so in this book, from his spiritual perspective, they entered earth from that stance. So if I'm going down and I'm sent here and my overall subject matter is going to be about forgiveness, isn't that interesting? Wow. Do we come in, do we come in as newborn babies with Mm -hmm. an intention like that? An intention, a some, I mean, I am so fascinated by that. Yeah, same. You know, I'm so fascinated by that. When you look at all of our spinoffs, all of our friends, even in music, it's like, you know, one will veer off into film, one will veer off into, you know, sync and TV, one goes into country, pop. I mean, and then eventually they'll write a song that'll, it's all about forgiveness, for example, and it just changes, it stops the music industry for two seconds, and that, you know, you're done. You, you came in to write that one song about forgiveness. I mean, it's just so it's, I don't really know how somebody can come here and be bored. I do sympathize with it if they are, but how can we be bored when there's so much experimenting that we can do just with ourselves? That's before we even enter into a relationship with another human. Right. Right. Kat, it's, it's all so amazing. And it is. I could literally sit and talk to you about this stuff all day long. I know. Like I know. it's, it's so beautiful. And just your whole mentality and your whole um, way of thinking is just so encouraging and really gets me outside of the box and gets me all fired up. Like I have a song called right direction that I released on this last EP and it's all about, you know, really learning to trust yourself and really learning to, um, figure out which way to go. And, and I learned, and a lot of this is because of you and kind of the, the path that you sent me on just by questioning my reality has just been that the right direction is always about following that expansion and getting back to like what you said about that vibrational inspiration that just comes up in you and following that and seeking that with your life, whatever that is, whatever that truth is for you. Um, just really following that because I really feel like that vibrational energy and that inspiration is that intuition and the God voice calling you and, and warning you and, and guiding you all of those things. Like, I really feel like that's what that is. And you've really been so instrumental in helping me find that alignment and honestly to go in and heal a lot of the parts of myself that I feel like keep me from that truth and from that spirit. So, and you've had so much success um, in your songwriting and in your career, which I know stems from you following these truths for yourself. I can only well, imagine. You know, what's fun. I, I, I do it to myself. I mean, I think that's why it's never ending. And when, when, when I hear somebody say it's never done, I think this is why is because 
I'm loving this conversation. And we know a lot of the answers, but the truth is when we're in life, um, another conversation I remember with Kai Fleming, I said, you know, we know that we can do this. We know we're capable of it. And the same, just exactly, we have a very similar path in the music business. And I said, so why is it that we don't have a hundred million dollars each in our retirement from just music? And she said very quickly and just honestly, she said, that was never your intention coming in. It was never, and when I look just a little bit back, which I don't do a lot. And if I do it, it's usually just a joyful, sunny look. Um, and almost like, whoo, that was crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some of it you can look back, but when you when you look back and just think, you know, I I didn't do it for that. I do love um, I do love when somebody comes in and they don't, they love to ride alone. I so respect that because it's I believe it's a lonelier journey, but I believe that the payoff is probably spiritually really beautiful and it's financially beautiful too. Yeah. Sure. I mean, when you own 100% of the song and you got a three week number one, it is pretty beautiful yep, at Bank of America. <laughs> you know, so I, never, I, never, I never had a number one. <laughs> that I wrote by myself. So I, I know, you know, we have a few friends that have had number ones and they've written them by themselves. It's, that's yeah. a very fun and exciting thing, but I right. do know I came, gosh, I just love co-creating. I love it. As a matter of fact, it fuels me. And, you know, I can sit down like the next guy and we've all done it and write a song. I mean, the, you know, we've done it and we can do it. And, you know, I don't know if, because it's not my, it's not joyful for me. It's uh, reflective. And I get to, the nice part about writing alone is there's no one that's going to say, you know, you got that one co-writer that'll just be, mm -mm, mm -mm, that's not right. I love when they say that. Cause I'm like, oh really? I remember somebody said to me, <laughs> oh, Weaver would never say that. And I'm like, oh really? Did you sleep with her? <laughs> Did you guys have that conversation in bed last night? Because I don't, I don't want anybody telling me that somebody would never say it. Right. Because I love when this, when those songs come out and the artists and you would never think they would say that. And then they say whatever that right. it is, you know, right. but I do believe, I'm not sure what the big picture is, but I know that I came for a co-creating experience in music. I don't know if it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but oh, I just, you know, when you just love it so much. And that goes back to, again, I love it. You know, everybody should check out Esther Hicks because it's incredible. It's like everything that this woman says, if you don't resonate with it, then find out why you don't resonate with it. Cause that would be fascinating too. But it's like the, the very simple thing of know what you do want and know what you don't want. And there's nothing wrong about either end of the stick. And I love that because a lot we were raised as, you know, don't turn, whatever you do, don't go right. And the truth is, honestly, for anybody, if you turn right or left, it might not feel so good when you turned right. Well, then just go back to the middle of the road and turn left and learn. as a clarity point. Yes. as a clarity point. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, if, there's a lot of people that live their whole life that way. They have to see what they don't want first to get to what they do want. And what I want people to know, and I want, I'm telling myself all of these things as I speak, um, is that, you know, it'd be nice to 50% of the time to go right to what I do want. Sure. Because it can be exhausting to have to know what I don't want before I find out what I do want. And right. that, that can be exhausting. But um, there's something to, I think, when all of our stories and the, the artist, whether whatever part of it is, that's why I think uh, I remember it was somebody saying to me, too, wow, you you have such passion in what you do. I don't feel that in my career, but they feel it in something, maybe yep. something there's something. And, and maybe you can say, well, you know. 
I love to water ski, but I, and I'm so passionate about water skiing, but I can't get paid. Well, really, maybe you can. Yeah, there's I mean, always a way. Maybe there's a will, there's a way for sure. There's a way. I mean, I, right now, I mean, me growing up, it was a very straightforward, you know, get your bachelor's degree and, and what's your, which path do you want to go in? And now with the digital world, it is fascinating to me that people are just making up stuff right and left and making a career out of it. And I think it's incredible. Oh yeah. I feel like a lot of people are doing that these days. I just like think it's incredible. on their own. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. It's like, and some- I feel like you've done that. Like, I feel like you, I mean, just being a songwriter and, and you've made your way, you've brought your talent, you showed up and you have had so much success, several number ones and have just killed it on your own. Like it's, it's so impressive. And you say you're a co-creator and I know, you know, some people, depending on, on where you are in your life, some people are really turned off by that term in a sense of like, a lot of people have looked at me and sometimes when I've said that and they're like, well, you're not that powerful. And I always come back and I say, you know, I have just, just like we talked about earlier. And, and it says in Luke 17, verse 21, the kingdom of heaven is within God is within and he is within me. And now he is the source of all my power. And he is the one that allows me to have this experience and, and is bringing it all forth in me, but I have to be willing and I have to be available and connected. And so that is where the co comes in because if I am not willing and I am not accepting of, of that frequency and that energy to move through me, Mm -hmm. then I just am kind of a dud. You know what I well, mean? You like, know what's I'm interesting? Not- I think they do say that a lot of times in the entertainment industry. And I love this because out there, a lot of those people that say that, uh, you know, when you look at if, if there's, if you love football and you love the NFL or you love college sports, it's like, it's impossible to play the game with just the quarterback. I mean, let's right. just look, let's just look at something that's just flat out common sense. I mean, football, tennis, there's name, any sport, basketball, it's co-creating from, from the beauty of, 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 you know, a Hail Mary and actually catching it. I mean, I, I am such a cornball that I can cry when somebody gets a touchdown because it's like, what are the odds that that man (laughs) step, that young guy steps back and just heaves it all the way. And then this other incredible athlete's just going to jump up and catches it with his two fingertips. I mean, that's co-creating that, that is not, there's nothing crazy about that. And if I do believe there's some elitists and purists out there. And as far as songwriting is concerned, that they do like to comment and say that if you don't, you know, get number ones or if you don't do, you've never done this by yourself, then you're not a true whatever. And I personally think that you just have to let them think whatever they want. Cause the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I've watched somebody co-create like that and it's a pulling of the hair and a whipping post situation. And there's something just, so joyful about getting in a room with another human being and ripping your heart out of your chest and sliding your heart across the table. Sometimes there's three hearts that are sliding out there. And as they collide with our broken experiences in life, I think you're going to come up with a hell of a song. Oh, you can't I mean, not. <laughs> can you not? I mean, and, and you know, it's so fun. It's so fun. And, and it takes, I think when you're in it and it's that borderline thing where you're trying to make a living and you want to, you know, quit your day job, which God, I respect that. And some people are like talking underneath their breath about, yeah, I got a day job. You know what? Don't talk under your breath. Speak that with pride, man. That is a badge when you are willing to do whatever it is for your means to your end, to your desire, man, if you don't hold your head up, I'll, I'll tip your chin up for you. Right. (laughs) Because, because you know what, that is you focusing on you already knowing where you want to go. 
There's, Absolutely. You know, if you're out there and you snag the job on Wall Street, fresh out of, you know, getting your master's degree and, and you're working for Charles Schwab and you're downtown Chicago and, and then you look to your friend that's still just striving for that dream and you say, God, I hate my job. I hate my job. I live for the weekends. I personally cannot I I personally couldn't function Mm, yeah you know so it's 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 inspiration and sort of a kick in the butt to go yeah it's scary because it's you know it's a weirdo job it's like what I'm gonna take a pen and write some words and hit the street and because everybody's like how does it work you somebody have a little briefcase with your songs in there and 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 they hit that quite yeah. I mean, you know, what's a song plugger? I mean, there's right. no, I mean, you know, you, I mean, I guess in some colleges you can graduate and learn about, I, I mean, where I came from, there ain't no degree in song plugging. No, I know. We're, we're lucky to be able to do what we do. And, and we're lucky, but we led with inspiration and it's, listen, a lot of times it's not pretty. I mean, it's not pretty, but in the end, I do believe, I mean, I am, I, I stood next to a 72 year old woman at my graduating class. Wow. And I said at new college, can I ask why, why did you come here? And she said, because my husband told me that I could never do it. And she said, and he's dead now. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Good for her. 72. So does it really matter? Does it matter if she, whatever, goes on to practice law or goes on to, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Wow. Amazing. Kat, we got to let these people get on with their day. (laughs) We could talk all day. I literally want to, I have literally a whole bunch of questions that I could still continue to ask you. I could talk to you all day. So I'll just have to have you on again. I Um, really enjoyed this. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And I love you and everything about you. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the love freak podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram at the love freak underscore. Don't forget that's F R E Q. Or to find out more information, you can go to www.thelovefreak.me. Look for a new episode every Tuesday.